0: You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7
1: ESPN.
2: Man, whole lot on the docket today, an hour to run through all of it. I'll be honest with you, it's going to involve a lot of losing. There's going to be a lot of conversations about losing over the next hour. So uh are you up for it? Well, let's try anyway, right? Let's roll. Of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. Uh, I'm on Twitter, on Instagram. More and more of you have found the, the Twitter a lot more of you, basically everybody, has ignored the Instagram. So I'm on Instagram at Gordon Hopefully everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Hopefully you had a chance to, you know, catch up with friends and family and and talk things out. Had some fun, had some laughs, had some food. Maybe still enjoying some leftovers. Those desserts usually can last for a couple of days, right? Some things are even better the second day. Like stuffing. I always feel like stuffing is always better the second day. Uh, mainly because I have zero self-control. But after a full Thanksgiving, hopefully you enjoyed it. Maybe you got out and worked it out on uh, Black Friday, right? A lot of sales, a lot of people. I drove past one mall. It looked like a Thunderdome uh, when I drove past. I did not stop in because I've been introduced to the Internet. Why would I go to the store and pick the thing out when there's a, a device in my house that I can just hit a couple of bubbles and they deliver it right to me? I don't have to go anywhere. That plays into my laziness right off the bat. But lots to go through as we get ready for week 13 in the NFL. Who's ready for Jets Bengals? Can I interest you in any Giants Packers? <laughs> and lots of takes about Pat Shermer. Then, of course, we have uh, the good old Knicks, right? Oh, the Knicks. And some other things along the way. A new development the Astros cheating scandal? It feels like it's almost like at this point there's so much stuff that it almost kind of washes over you. Like, do you need any more allegations, really? But let's start. I don't know why I'll do this. But let's start with the Knicks. Maybe it's the recency bias of watching them last night. And in case you did not catch the game, this is going to come as a surprise. The Knicks lost. But coming into the year, as someone who was last year, full-blown tank guy, right? Nick should tank, absolutely should tank, did not pay off with the number one pick. But again, thank God they did tank because as a result of tanking, they ended up with the third pick, which is a whole lot better than the fourth pick or the fifth pick or the sixth pick. So I viewed coming into this year, just to kind of give you a little background, I viewed this year as year one of the rebuild, right? If you're going last year, and I'm saying in fairness, intentionally losing games to get a better draft pick, I really can't hold that against you in terms of, well, look, you only had 17 wins. No, I wanted you to have 17 wins last year. Now, I came into this year, I was not going to live and die like many of you are with this team. Six games into the year, I'm not going to be suggesting, as I said at the time, I'm not going to be suggesting uh, lineup changes or benching this guy or get... Let's let it play out. Let's let it breathe, right? You open up the wine, you let it breathe for a little bit. And this has not exactly been a fine wine. I said, let's see where the Knicks are after 20 games. Let's not get all worked up, all jazzed up over every little thing when it's pretty clear the Knicks were not going to be significantly better than last year. Significantly better would be like 15 games better than they were last year. In the conversation for a playoff spot. That would be significantly better. Now, we're not at 20 games yet. We're only at 19. But when we do get to 20 games, I think it's tomorrow, right? Do they play? Yeah, I think it's tomorrow they play the Celtics. But it's pretty clear that when they do get to 20 games, uh, it's pretty clear where they will be located. And that would be at the bottom of the standings. Not too much is going to change in that one remaining game when they get back in action tomorrow to play Boston. And in fact, the Knicks actually have a worse record this year than they did last year. Last year they were four and fourteen, and then remember they had that like bizarre like three game winning streak that kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, they played the Grizzlies in one, they played the Pelicans in one. I think they also was it the Sixers or Boston? they they won three games in a row, which probably given how the last year and a half has played out, should be a lot more memorable in my mind. Right? <laughs> it's not like it's got a lot of competition. But most of the focus so far this year has been on who? David Fisdale, right? The head coach. Already on the hot seat, already reports that his firing could happen at any point. And let's be honest. If the Knicks don't start winning some games and win games that basically nobody expects them to win, he will be fired sooner rather than later. right? It doesn't take a a rocket scientist to know that uh, he is not at this rate going to see 2020 as the Knicks head coach. Which to me is crazy. Because again, as I said before, this is year one. This is not a good team. Now I do think it's better than last year's team, but again, only slightly. This is not a 30 win team. They're on pace for, I think it's around 20 wins. So slightly below what I thought. I thought about 25, 26. That's about what I thought. If this – I know this is a comparison that I brought up before. But David Fisdale is kind of like a chef on the TV show Chopped. Do you ever see Chopped? They, they – have these these chefs, they come out and they give them a surprise basket. They don't know ahead of time what's going to be in the basket. And then they have to come up with a meal with these mystery ingredients that they find in the basket. Well, the next basket – is not exactly stocked with, you know, premier things that you would be using on a day-in and day-out basis. It's a lot of anchovies, a lot of eyeballs, some black licorice, and some Rocky Mountain oysters. It's kind of hard to take that and cook it up into something that's going to be delicious. Now, should it be better than it is? Yeah, probably. But not that much better. Now, that's not to say that David Fisdale is good. I don't know. I can't make that argument. I don't have any evidence to show you that. And there are problems, things that you see, absolutely, both big and small. Last night, I mean, this one made me laugh out loud. He challenged a play like a minute into the game. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure that challenge, really, uh, a minute into an NBA game where there's a thousand opportunities back and forth. Yes, you should be challenging things one minute in. Don't want to give them any ground. Well, look, the biggest issue is you can go one of two ways for this team. One, A, you can either develop talent, right, or you can win games. You'd like to have a balance between the two. That would be ideal. But if you could only have one, I think it's pretty clear, developing the talent should be the number one goal. Okay, developing talent. So how's that going? Well, not great, Bob. You have R.J. Barrett, who I think everybody is cool with where he's at Are the things to work on, sure, but he's, he's 19 years old. He's in the league for the first time. You like what you've seen so far. After that, who would be next on the list? I think I would say the next guy on my list coming into the year would be Mitchell Robinson, right? One of the few, I would say, maybe only bright spots from last year. You wanted to see him take a step forward. 21 years old. You'd think that there's going to be some growing pain, sure. But how's it going? Well... Not a lot better, and in fact, I guess you could make some arguments that it's worse than last year because last year you could understand him being as undisciplined as he was, especially when it comes to foul trouble. This year, it seems like it's pretty much the same thing. Kevin Knox started out the season looking like he had made some improvements, uh, you know, specifically uh, shooting the three. Last night, first DNP, trending in the wrong direction, and look, maybe it could be tough love. You have to earn your minutes, but again, at what expense? After that, Dennis Smith Jr. was a guy I thought maybe might be able to provide you something coming in. Has not. Alonzo Trier has basically been, I mean, you could put him on the back of the milk carton. And the only other guy, if you were looking for bright spots for this next season, I think you would say R.J. Barrett looks like he's a real player. And then after that, what would you, I guess, look, it's not like it's got a lot of competition. But I think the second thing you would say is Frank Nielakina. So in maybe another situation, the Knicks could point to Frank Aquina as being one of their developments. The problem is they didn't play him until they were basically forced to play him. And that really probably is the most damning indictment in terms of player development. Not necessarily that you can't get more out of the guys who are not giving you more as much as it is you didn't self-scout well enough to realize what this guy has. And that always has to be the most important thing of any organization. Self-scouting, knowing what you have on your own roster, because if you can't figure that out, how are you going to be able to figure out anything else? You can't really rely on them to be able to scout other players in terms of the draft or, or, or trades or anything like that if you don't know what you have on your own roster. And you certainly can't scout other teams' rosters if you can't figure out what you got on your own. So in terms of developing players, things have not gone well. And in terms of winning now, well, you brought in some established guys who can play in the league, but it's not like you're doing that either. And in terms of Fisdale, it's not like you can point to anything else. Has the defense been better? No. Has the effort on a consistent basis been better? I guess it's been better than it was early on in the year, but only, again, slightly. Are they developing an identity? Interesting you bring that up. No, they're not doing that either. I mean, David Fisdale talks about how they want to play with pace. It seems like he's talking about that the entire time, except when the games are going on, which is really the most important time for it to be good. Free throws have been terrible. So there's not really any concrete evidence you can give for why you would leave him in place, except for how we started. They don't have a good roster. So if you're looking for what the message should be for this Knicks season because it seems like everybody's ready to get rid of the coach, bring in someone else. Do you really think that that's going to make a difference? Seriously. Do you how much of a difference do you think it's going to make? 2 or 3 games? If all that we know about the Knicks, A, they don't have a good roster. B, they're not winning games. C, the plan to move forward can only be one thing, and that is to draft guys. Take your medicine this year. Live through another – I mean, let's be honest. The season's going to get away – I mean, it's already away from them, right? Like the chances – I'm sure that they will win some games here along the way simply because every team wins some games. I don't think that they're going to win 17 games again. But any ideas of winning 27, 28, I think that those are getting away from you pretty quickly. And that has to be the path forward. Remember, when we got through the free agency period, right, and the Knicks weren't able to land that star guy, everybody was in agreement. That star guy is not coming here until you build something on your own. So that means you have to do the hard work. And the only way you can do that hard work is to get back into the draft, get back into the lottery, which was always going to be the case this year. And it just matters whether or not you have the third pick, the fifth pick, the seventh pick, or the ninth pick. And who knows? Maybe this is the year you get lucky. The odds are not great, as they were not great last year. But I don't see any path forward that really you could look to and say, "Okay, that's going to be different than what we've dealt with here the last five, six years. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. I did want to bring up one thing because it seems like the big takeaway last night was that Kevin Knox did not play his first DNP. Uh, of his career with the Knicks, and I'm sure most of everyone, and maybe they're right, I don't know, I think it's kind of unknowable, will point to, well, this is another case of David Fisdale not knowing what he's doing. It's Can we all agree David Fisdale is like fighting for his job, right? Like he's clearly in the crosshairs, and at this point, really, if at any point here, in the next, in the foreseeable future, you open up Twitter and you found out that David Fisdale was fired. You, it would not be like, oh my goodness. It's almost like kind of expected at this point because it doesn't seem like there's any winds on the uh, on the horizon. There's always been reports that, you know, Steve Mills is laying the groundwork. Do we really believe that David Fisdale on his own was the one who's saying, you know what, I'm just going to bench Kevin Knox? Maybe he is. I mean, he, he certainly has not had a, um, there's certainly more than enough evidence of bizarre. Roster decisions and playing this guy over that guy. So I'm not going to tell you that I know for sure that it's not him. It could very well be him, but I don't know, man. I think it's, um, I think it's more of, of the state of the organization. And I find it hard to believe that David Fisdale, a guy who's just trying to survive from one day to the next is, uh, is making any uh, giant movements and say, you know what, now I'm really going to shake things up. (laughs) I don't know. I find that hard to believe. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number, 1-800-919-3776. Let's go out to the phones this morning. Andy is in Miami. Andy, what's going on, my man?
0: Gordon, I love listening to you. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving.
2: Same to you, Andy.
0: Agree with you completely. Um, Unfortunately, 2019 Kevin Knox looks a lot like 2018 Frank Milikina in that, his playing time is decreasing, and it's really sad that the best thing you can say it is Nick Highlight was his time in the NBA Summer League in Vegas when everybody thought he was the second coming. Let's be honest; it's been yep. kind of downhill from there.
2: Absolutely, and and to me, the, the, the Neil Aquina point—that's uh, the really—that's uh, the most damning indictment that you could have about this coaching staff—is there is a guy who has talent. Now, I'm not saying he's—you know—Nick fans make it out like he's going to be an all-star but he he was coming from a point where you thought okay that's a wasted pick you're not going to get anything of value out of him and he has been valuable now he's he's not been a superstar but that's a, that's a sign that they don't know how to scout themselves
0: I agree with you completely and I think you've you know the fish rots from the head you got to go straight back to Steve Mills I mean Steve Mills is like Zelig for Nick's bad selections and I'll give you a perfect example how about the pick up a Tim Hardaways contract if you remember yep When he signed Tim Hardaway, that was right before they named the new general manager. And he was acting like that was a present to the new GM (laughs) when all it really was it's you know what kind of present it was, Gordon? I heard you talk about your dog, God love him. We have an adopted pet too. And she's part pit. And sometimes she'll go out in the backyard and she'll leave a, a bird. On, yeah. my, on my doorstep, and she'll have a big smile on her face. Like, look at this <laughs> present I'm giving you, this Ted bird. That was Tim Hardaway's contract to the new GM. I mean, all it resulted in was us a, a trading away Porzingis to get, you know... Cap space. To get cap space, and really, at the end of the day, what's the consistency? I mean, if you're going to talk about firing a coach after you told him to tank last year, and you're 20 games into the season... Don't you have to look in the mirror a little bit since you're the one that hired the coach? Am I missing something here?
2: No, and really you can make kind of the comparison. Like if you're telling me I'm going to get rid of David Fisdale, which I don't think anybody would – I have not seen anybody who would be up in arms about that outside of the fact that it just kind of plays into the dysfunction of the organization that you're firing a guy 20 games into a season when most people within reason thought that they were going to win about 25 games – um I think you can kind of draw the comparison if it turns out that they get rid of Fisdale, but they also get rid of Steve Mills in the process it would almost be like hey you know what we're going to get rid of uh, for, uh going to get rid of um uh, uh Porzingis but at least we'll be able to get rid of some bad contracts as well like I think that when you get through this season I have no problem if you get through this season you're back in the lottery wherever you might pick in that lottery I think that that's the time that you say all right 2 years in there should be more progress than this. You guys sold us on a plan that, that plan has, has not come together in any way. Winning games, developing players. That's the time. But when you're going to start making changes, you make them at the top and the first person's name that would have to be on that list. If you want to have any credibility that things are going to be pointed in the right direction is Steve Mills. Steve Mills had his chance to, to take all the negative talk out there about his time with the Knicks and Put that all aside. If they had landed that big free agent this past summer, then he would have been able to craft a new narrative. It didn't happen. And if it was going to happen at this point, I think it would have happened by now. So, yeah, no, I, when you get through this season, I have no problem. The, the thing I want to get out of this season more than anything else, even more so the developing players, is I want more talent. And then maybe the next guy who comes in here will be able to develop that talent. Because right now what you have uh, is not uh, – it's not working. Let's go out to our buddy Spike in Jersey. Spike, what's going on, my man?
3: Good morning. I hope you have a wonderful uh, family function with Thanksgiving, and after the four hours, you get tired of asking the relatives the same question.
2: Yes, same yes. to use.
3: Yeah. <laughs> okay. All oh, kidding aside. The, the caller before if you understand from Miami he's, he's Andy. Saying, they did it. Again. I only
2: know I remember Andy's name because he's one of the guys that loves me I have the, I have Andy in Miami and I also have there are unconfirmed reports I have a guy in Nebraska but we're not sure yet we'll no, figure that out I have a guy
3: out here
2: alright listen
3: they did the same thing again, you know, the definition of insanity. They did the Tim Hardaway contract again with Julius Randle, who if he takes the ball one more time and throws it into the stands, i told you this before, he's a numbers hanger. Here's your problem with Fisdale. He's an assistant trying to be a head coach. The talent is sparse. But you, I wouldn't let them out of the gym today till everyone made nine out of ten free throws. What he does last night, the toughest thing in the NBA to do, and I've watched the NBA, you know how long and how old I am. Yep. The toughest thing to do is to close out a game at home in front of your home crowd with inferior talent. And over and over and over again. Remember Filene's in Boston? The closeout? Store? Yeah. Well, the Knicks never shot there. And they played one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league. So you don't need to protect the three-point line because they can't shoot. And they had their best three-point shooter out last night. How do you let him be? Bully bore you out. You know what Steve Mills will do? When I go back with him when he worked at Chemical Bank and his father, Ollie Mills, is a Long Island history store coach. He won six titles in a row. He didn't lose a game at Roosevelt, I believe. But the thing they did last night, again, is they made the same stupid mistake again. He hasn't missed the free throw off the front rim, thinking he's going to get a rebound. He doesn't know how to coach. Miller has improved. Miller has turned into Tony Allen. That's what I say. A one-trick pony who does it well. But I uh, just hold tight when it picked up. Thanks for the time, as always. LeBron James right now is the MVP of the league. I know it's a quarter of the season, and he's playing so well. Yeah, no, he thinks load management is some some issue you have with your rear end or something. He wants to play every single game. He-
2: well, I mean, that wasn't the case a couple of years ago. I mean, remember that? I, that's kind of where the conversation with load management kind of started. Where where LeBron all of a sudden? I think it was only he he only sat out like eight games. It wasn't ridiculous. But that's where the conversation started back then. Now, that's changed because he's the face of the league, and I'm sure the league has kind of tried to make that point to him. Uh, But, no, that's where the conversation started. In terms of the – look, I I get it. Everybody wants – you know, Nick fans, they want to get into the nitty-gritty of this little thing and that little thing. You guys got to take a step back. You got to take a look at the whole picture. And the whole picture is not a pretty picture. So, yeah, if you want to kill – if you want to get David Fisdale out of here, nobody's going to come to the defense of David Fisdale, really not even me. But if you think that bringing in a new coach is going to somehow change the result to a to a large degree, maybe a little bit, maybe they win a, a game more here or there. Sometimes the coaching change in any sport, uh, maybe not football, but you know certainly baseball, maybe basketball, you get a little bit of a of a of a boost right away. So maybe that will turn out to be the case. I'm not making any changes off this year. The the main thing you want to get out of this year, if if it's true, right, that you can't get a free agent to come here, and if it's true that you don't have that much talent on the roster, and let me tell you, you don't, to be able to make a big trade, well, then how is the only way you're going to be able to get talent on the roster? That's through the draft. And I think what has been proven so far pretty consistently by leaving this team in place just as they are right now, let them go do their thing, there's a very good chance you're going to have a very high pick in the draft, which is probably the most important thing that you can get out of this season. Let's go to Dominic in the car. Dominic, what's going on, man?
1: Hey, how you doing, brother? What's up? Uh, I I agree with basically everything you're saying. The only thing I feel like with Fizdale is, you know, I thought he was a defensive-minded coach, right? That's That was part of this, uh, his spiel. I thought he, he, he would attract more free agents, right? Now, obviously, we all know there's no free agent coming in. Nobody wants to go to a horrible franchise. They can stay in the water. not a difference maker. Yeah, it, it's, it's just not going to happen. So I agree with you, but at the same time, I feel like, you know, Mitchell Robinson, right? Now, I don't know if he if he just doesn't understand the game of basketball, but he has no basketball IQ. He can't get every rebound. You can't block every shot. You know what I mean? So you can't, yeah. you can't get 3,000 in the first quarter every single game. But like you said, with Kevin Knox, whatever reason he is on the bench, but there's no, to me, there's no end game. There's no exactly what he's saying. Bottom line is, I want them to lose. You, you know they're not winning any of the next four games, so they'll be uh, four and twenty, right? Mm-hmm. Now, going forward, I just feel like you got to ch- Steve Mills. I don't know what he has on Dolan, but it got to be something. It got to be something good because for whatever reason he's keeping him around. I just feel like you, you got to just shut it all down yeah. and finally, blow it out. Get yep. the first pick. And we build with, with, uh, Mitchell Robinson. Exactly what you said about Tina, right there. It's got to be on somebody. He's a dog. He's not a great, great player, but you know, when he's out there, he's fighting hard now. He's playing defense. You know, he's getting his old shot. I just feel like it's, I'm 36 years old. I grew up in the Bronx my whole life and it's miserable to be a Knicks fan now. It's yeah. miserable. No,
2: I look, uh, good news. There's only 63 more games to go. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, it, it, there's no, sometimes there's an easy remedy. Sometimes there's an easy answer that, okay, we just have to do – there is no easy answer. There's no way to speed up the clock. This is not uh, NBA 2K where you can fast forward through the season, stockpile a bunch of, stock, uh, of draft picks, and then just get through this season. No, you're going to have to live through it. you got to take your medicine. And I would allow the people that are in place right now to take the medicine, go through another bad year, get another piece of talent, and then hopefully at some point – Find the person who is going to actually be able to put something into place because right now it's pretty clear uh, all the evidence. And it's not a great deal of evidence, at least not for the coach, right? He had one year last year where you were intentionally losing games and he's had 19 games this year. But there's a lot of guys here that are – nobody is blameless, that's for sure. But at least it seems like behind the scenes, Steve Mills, while in terms of the actual games, the, the record is what it is. The the behind-the-scenes game, man, that guy is Phil Jackson. I mean, it's amazing that he is able to shift blame and, uh, you know, uh, f- be able to put everything on everybody else, and yet he's the one constant that remains here. And uh, there's not been any real track record of success. And, in fact, three years he was away, that's when the team was actually kind of successful here the last 20 years.
0: You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7
2: ESPN. But the Giants uh, have been, I guess, a a pretty big focus here, right? Because what do you have left, really, the rest of this season? The conversation is going to focus on, all right, what changes are they making? I guess it'll focus also on uh, exactly where they're going to be drafting and whether or not there's a chance that they get Chase Young with the second pick. But in terms of the season, season's over, and it's been over for a while. Now the only question is, is who gets moved out of here? And really, that's going to focus on one guy, and that's going to be Pat Shermer. And, and at this point, they still have Washington, they still have Miami, so who knows? Maybe they will win a couple of games here. They've lost seven in a row. I, I don't think that they're going to lose every single game the rest of the way, and I would think that uh, Washington would be a prime place for them to to probably be able to win. I, I don't even think that Miami would be uh, a foregone conclusion right now because not that they're winning a whole bunch of games, but at least in the in the short term, they've looked more functional than the Giants have. So I'm not going to tell you that if they don't if they went a couple of games here to think that the idea that oh, there's no way that Shermer is going to be able to save his job, uh, have have we kind of forgotten what's happened with the Jets? I know that the owner came out and told you that the coach was going to be here, but if they had not turned things around like they have recently, who knows what would have happened? And now all of a sudden, forget about the coach, forget about the, the team and the franchise and the, the owner. The fans have been back on board the last three weeks which didn't seem like it was all that possible when they were sitting there at 1-7. and The problem with Pat Shermer is there's nothing you can really point to that you would say, all right, you got that, with one exception. Coming into the year, you knew it was a young team. You knew it was a rebuilding team, and there were zero expectations. But yet still, somehow, even with those rock-bottom expectations, they have somehow even underperformed those. And it's funny because when Adam Gase was going through, you know, one and seven with the Jets, what was the name that got brought up a lot? Well, when you go to all-time terrible coaches in Jets history, there's one name that jumps out among them all, and that would be Rich Kotite. With the Giants, I guess that would example, at least in recent history, would have to be Ray Hanley. The crazy thing is, is that while Ray Hanley is the, the touchstone, right, for, for bad Giants coaches, Ray Hanley in his two years was 14 and 18, If Pat Shermer was 14 and 18 by the time these two, based on how they react when they have any success whatsoever, you'd think that he would be asking for a contract extension. The only caveat that you could create, and he, you know, he'll give you the uh, behind the scenes. The, the progress is happening behind the scenes. Can we have any progress like Sunday at one? Can we see any of that? Can you do any of it before the scenes? The only caveat you can give him is, is that he's operating with a rookie quarterback. And in terms of young quarterbacks, if you had to grade Daniel Jones up until this point of the season, based on what rookie quarterbacks have done here the last few years, you'd have to, even if you're being a harsh judge, you'd have to say it's a C+. It's not been terrible. It's not the worst that you've ever seen. And there have been bright spots. Even playing with a team that's not very talented, playing with a team that has all sorts of injuries, not a lot of skilled players to begin with, and, and some of them have been hurt, some of them are playing like Saquon, but they've not been uh, not been good. And the defense is a complete not—I mean, we had a poll question during the week, and the Giants' defense did not win, but it's only because the worst thing in this town right now is the Knicks' talent level. So there's been plenty of opportunities and plenty of other coaches when you you talk about what their success is, you don't judge it by wins and losses. You judge it by developing uh, the, the quarterback— And you'd have to say at least, so. now I don't know that Pat Sherman necessarily deserves the credit, maybe it just belongs to Daniel Jones, but you'd have to say, based on recent quarterbacks, up until this point, up until this point of his rookie year, Daniel Jones is having a better season than Sam Darnold had at this point last year. He certainly has had a better season than Josh Allen had last year. He's certainly having a better season than Dwayne Haskins is having right now. So I would think that if you're being fair, you'd have to say that Daniel Jones has been at least, at the very minimum, a C+. Now, there's still games to be played. That will dictate how the final grade is. And who knows? Maybe if he goes out there and plays well against Washington, and plays well against Miami, he might feel even better than a C- or a C+. What did I say? C- a C C+. Very harsh grader. C+. So that's the one thing that I think could save Pat Shermer, but I don't think that that's going to end up happening because I can't even envision you winning those games, never mind winning any other ones. As far as the Jets and Bengals are concerned, if you can handle the excitement of Giants and Packers, then you have Jets and Bengals. Oh, boy, it's a, it's, a, it's an exciting week, isn't it? Um, I will preface this by saying, look, you would always rather win games than lose games. I know that's uh, really going out in the limb. You would always rather have your players play well than play poorly. You'd always rather see development than not. And good for them. Good for turning around their season at one and seven. Good for Darnold to be playing better. It's not even that he's just playing better. He's playing good. He's playing well. That's more. It's, it's one thing to say he's playing better than he was. He was playing terribly. So it's not really a real uh, compliment to say he's playing better, but he's playing well. Uh, and good for Adam Gase. He needed to get some wins, even despite what the owner said. Good for the defense. Good for everyone. And I fully expect them. And you should fully expect them to do the thing, the same thing the next couple of weeks, right? There's no way that you can sell me on progress if you go out and lose to either the Bengals or the Dolphins, right? I mean, we're all in agree. Let's not have any revisionist history later on. If you lose to the Bengals, who are winless – or you lose to the Dolphins, who are better than the, the, the Bengals, but not by a whole lot, and you've already lost to them once in what you probably would say is the low point of the season, you can't afford to lose. I mean, that would be embarrassing to lose to either of them. So it's all good. I'm not I'm not criticizing it. Get wins when you can. See development where you can. All good. The only thing I will say is that I hear a lot of this now, well, this is all good for next year. I don't think it works that way. There, I, I guess the, maybe there are some examples, but there's a lot more examples of it doesn't really mean a whole lot. It's kind of year to year. And, yeah, you want to see progress from the quarterback. You hope that that carries over to next year and all that stuff. But this idea of laying the groundwork, maybe, but probably not. Every year there's a team that wins games after their season's decided. And make no mistake, the Jets' season was was over at 1-7. and seven. For anybody who say, "Well, you know, they can still make the playoffs." They have a one percent chance of making the playoffs. They're not making the playoffs, and they, I mean, look—you take a playoff season anytime you can get it. If the Jets go to the playoffs, they get destroyed. They're not a playoff team. Nobody really expected them to be a playoff team this year, so that's fine. But their season this year—I know—I don't feel like anybody's brought this up—has been very reminiscent to the Giants last year. The Giants last year started the season. One and seven. And then they won some games down the stretch against teams that were better, but generally teams that were playing either their backup quarterback or their third string quarterback. And they thought that it meant something. They thought that it would mean something. It didn't. It didn't mean anything. So take them. I wouldn't worry about your draft position. that's not really going to matter that much. Take the progress at quarterback, enjoy looking like a functional team. I would just simply say, don't get carried away because teams do this every year. And in fact, the Jets have done this a lot in their, in, in their, in their franchise history. Start the season really slow, get on a run, come up a little short and think that, okay, well, it, it, it didn't help this year, but next year it will matter. It generally doesn't. You're listening to the Gordon Damer show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. The Cardinals Josh Shaw, he 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 was at USC. He kind of got some notoriety. I think he what did he do about the faking a story about saving somebody from drowning or something like that. So, Josh Shaw, Shaw is on the Arizona Cardinals. He was suspended indefinitely yesterday, at least through the 2020 season for betting on NFL games on multiple occasions this season. Shaw has not played it down this season for the Cardinals. He was put on injured reserve on August 25th with a shoulder injury. He can file an appeal of the suspension within three days. I did find it interesting the NFL's response. And I would, the one piece of information that's not in this article, Ty, maybe you can find this, uh, track this down. Find out if Josh Shaw used the promo code Gordon. The promo code G-O-R-D-O-N. If he, if he could have used that, that would really help me out. Um, but the NFL's response, Quote, the conti- and, and they're coming down, you know, they're going to hammer this guy, a guy who's not played in the NFL. The continued success of the NFL depends directly on each of us doing everything necessary to safeguard the integrity of the game and the reputations of all who participate in the league. Safeguard the integrity of the game, the reputations. Is that going to impact making sure that the NFL officials get calls right because every sing- I can make one prediction, and my picks have not been great this year, although I did have a very nice Thanksgiving thanks to the Detroit Lions. I can make one prediction that I know for sure is going to come through. In week 13, there will be a call somewhere in one of those games that has not already happened. I'm not talking about the three on Thanksgiving. That will directly impact the game and will not be overturned, even though you and I sitting, I don't know, a thousand miles away from the game in our TV, watching on our TVs in our living rooms or man caves or wherever, we will be able to see right away. It's the wrong call. And yet the people involved in impacting the game and making sure it's the right call will not get the right call. So if you're worried about the integrity of the game and the reputations of all who participate, I don't know. Maybe you could get that part of it right. Speaking of getting things right, we're still awaiting to find out if Major League Baseball will get things right when it comes to the Astros cheating scandal. There was a new development that has not gotten really all that much attention. New York Post has it. The Yankees complaints they believe the Astros are using technology to steal signs in this year's ALCS didn't stop after Game 1. Sources confirmed the Yankees notified Major League Baseball about blinking lights in center field during Game 6 at Minute Maid Park. And the alleged blinking stopped later in the game. Wow, isn't that weird? There were those blinking lights, and then when the Yankees complained, all of a sudden the blinking lights stopped. I'm sure it's just a coincidence. I'm sure it's just one of those things that happened. It's probably all a delusional in the Yankees' heads. Sure, sure. I'm sure it really had no impact on the game. Do you think that the punishment that comes down for the Astros will be more strict than the punishment that Josh Shaw got? Like, he got suspended For the rest of this year and all of next year, do you think that Jeff Lunau and A.J. Hinch, do you think that the punishment for them is going to be as strict? Because it clearly should be much more strict, right? I mean, the operation that they were pretty clearly running in Houston, even if it was just for 2017, say all these other allegations are just completely made up. If it's only for 2017, should be far stricter than a punishment that means that the guy is out of the league and let's be honest, he hasn't played a game in the league, so I don't think that, you know, it's not really all that surprising if he never plays a game in the league. Is it going to be more strict for them? I wonder, because I get the feeling that when it eventually comes down, it's going to be, well, you know, we're going to take away some draft picks and we're going to find the organization. If that's the case, well, then that tells you all you need to know about how seriously Major League Baseball takes those allegations. All right, let's squeeze a couple more calls in here before the high school football hour with my quick, which is quickly approaching. Let's go to our buddy ball. Here he is, Omar in Brooklyn. Omar, my good man, morning. what's going on in this fine Saturday? It wouldn't morning, be a Saturday without Omar.
1: About, uh, how about uh, Thursday? Uh, my Bills showed in the whole world. Oh, yes. America. Yes. They yes. In your American team. Yes. So-called American
2: I, team. I, I, I'm not uh, taking responsibility for the Cowboys. Don't put them on me, buddy. <laughs> okay, listen, I got my own terrible team to root for.
1: So I, I, do you believe in Buffalo Bills now?
2: No, not really. I mean, look, they're better than the Cowboys. But do I do I put them do I think that the bills are going to be playing in the AFC championship game this year?
1: No, I don't. Okay, the reason uh, let me ask you the reason mm-hmm. that why you think that okay, New England Patriots are the division champions and they have done it for so many years. Yes. Why do you think that Baltimore Ravens or Mahomes will be playing in AFC championship game. And Baltimore Ravens, you see the last year, uh, you go on and last year, last year on the playoff game against St. Chargers, your Jackson, uh, look, what, three passes completion? uh, Look, uh,
2: I think I I probably would favor those teams because I think they're better. I think they're better teams. He Look, the Bills went out that. and played a good let game let against another team that hasn't it. beaten anybody next, all year. All of a sudden, the Cowboys are the, the
1: are the measuring stick. Next week, Baltimore Ravens, Buffalo, built in Buffalo, yeah. and after that, your mind will be changed. All right, Watch we'll up.
2: see, Omar. We'll see. All right,
1: is that it? Is that all you got for
2: me today? give me one more. Give me one more. Your
1: favorite uh, favorite chapter. Uh-huh. Favorite chapter. The let me clear that. Houston Astros were cheating. Yes. Your Yankees were cheating in two thousand nine. What are you going to do about that?
2: That's who, the, the Statue <laughs> of limitations has passed on that. Two thousand—that's ten years ago. I do find it interesting when they, when they bring up uh, Carlos Beltran and his role in the uh, whole uh, cheating scandal. I saw somebody in Boston was saying, "Well, you can't you can't punish uh, Alex Cora or uh, or Carlos Beltran with the bets that happened it, it, with, with a different team." Oh, is that how it works? So if I rob a bank in Ohio. And then I moved to New York. Well, look, I'm in New York now. That happened in Ohio. I can't be charged with robbing that bank. I'm here now. I don't believe that that's the way it works. And it shouldn't work that way. So if it does work that way, well, then you got problems. And uh, I'll be interested to see the uh, Hensley Bam Bam Muelins coaching debut before the uh, Carlos Beltran
0: You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN.